Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. The point of what I want to talk about today, maybe a, a major theme, is about God is fathering his children into maturity. Sounds familiar? What Tyler opened up with. God is wanting to father us into maturity. It's not about um, what it is about. Is it's about purpose. It's about destiny. It's about the, powers, the power of the age to come. Thank you. Being manifest on the earth through the mature sons and daughters, which Romans 8 says that all of creation is groaning for and longing for them to be revealed. And um, I truly believe God is wanting to father his children into this level of maturity that they are entrusted with that authority. Their faith is, is in such unison and in alignment with God that, that it is his faith through them and it is, it is them ushering heaven into the earth. And um, it's not about comfort. It's not about, you know, Babylon's definition of success. It's about heaven coming to earth through the vessels of God whom he's prepared in his, in his, in his kids. And so that's what the message is going to be about. Um, there's this there's, there's a, another principle we're going to talk about, this theme or principle of, of literally of God being hidden at times, seeming hidden, uh, being hidden in plain sight for those who have eyes to see, training his sons and daughters to be able to see by the Spirit. And um, even the thought that sometimes we're looking for God to do something for us when we come up against maybe what we feel is opposition but a shift in perspective that maybe he allows opposition in us or with us in order to grow us through that resistance, in order that faith would actually activate on the things which he's already accomplished a couple thousand years back, and that it would draw that reality and enforce that reality into the earth. And, um, you know, you have scriptures like, you know, Jesus' brother, half-brother, in James 1, verse 2 through maybe 8, I don't know if I'll do the whole thing, but... Where he's, we, you have the scripture saying, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, which just sounds like a weird thing to say, you know, um, but count it joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, that there is a testing of the actual faith, your this ability to, to actually tractor beam in that which is heaven to the earth, the way Hebrews 11 makes it seem. Um, the testing of your faith would produce patience and let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, which is mature, the word there. Not, you know, that you may be teleos or perfect or complete or whole, lacking nothing. And if you do lack wisdom, which to be honest, it's wisdom to be able to see in this way, then ask of God who gives it liberally and without reproach and it will be given to you. But ask in faith, not doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave driven and tossed by the sea. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because that is double-mindedness, which produces instability in all your ways. And so there's this, there's this understanding that like, hey, you need to be able to lock in by faith and not go back and forth to carnal mind of, mind of the Spirit. This is the wisdom of heaven which causes the tractor beam of Hebrews 11, 1, 2, and 3 to actually usher that which is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the substrate. It's the concrete floor which we hope for that we bring in heaven into the earth. And so sometimes our very resistance is actually our training. And we're calling dad like 911, God, bail me out, bail us out of this situation. And it's just like, hey, this is actually for you to come alive 
in that faith which I have put inside of you before the foundations of the earth. And not only that, for you to step into the mature role of ushering heaven into the earth. Yeah. And also, it could be that in these situations, the lie is to believe you're alone when you feel resistance. But the truth, the reality is that even when you can't see that him that he's actually there, you know, that he actually remains hidden at times for his own purpose, for his own agenda, but it's often to actually teach us to engage that faith in a way that brings that reality of heaven to the earth. There's one scripture I really like. There's a bunch of them that I really like, to be honest. But Isaiah 45, verse 15, speaking of God being hidden, it says, Truly you are God who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. The Savior? Yeah, who's that? Yeah, we know his name. Truly you are God who hide yourself, O God of Israel, the Savior. They shall be ashamed. The enemy will be ashamed and disgraced, all of them, and go in confusion, those who make idols. But Israel shall be saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Amen. Hmm. What does that sound like? Well, we have hindsight, so we know that's talking about, yeah? But there's something to the, to the hidden person of God and, and the Savior of Jesus who's sometimes hidden in plain sight in order to bring his sons and daughters into maturity. There's a lot of scriptures about it. One of them, I was writing about this this past week. In Matthew 13, this one basic sentence where Jesus is actually talking about the kingdom of heaven. It's like the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field in Matthew 13, 44, which a man found and hid and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. What a strange analogy. Tell us what heaven's like, teacher, rabbi. Possibly the Messiah, much more than that, God embodied. This is what heaven's like. Heaven is like treasure that was hidden in a field. But there was a man who found it, who was able to see the treasure when no one else could. But he kept it secret. Why wouldn't you tell everybody? For joy over it, he goes and he sells. He gives everything he has for that field. And he buys it. And this is Jesus talking about the earth. This is Jesus talking about creation. There's something here that the carnal mind sees. Oh, I see the fall. I see pain. I see suffering. I see everything limited. You know. But Jesus is walking around, even with his people, the Israelis, who are like basically subservient to the Greeks and the Romans. You know, they're lower level people in the world allegedly, and here he comes, and he says, this is beautiful. What, what is here is, a, is an incredible treasure, but it's, it's hidden for some reason, but he keeps it secret, and he goes and he pays for it with everything that he has, which is his life, right? And he did this for the joy that was set before him, right? Isn't that Hebrews 12? It's like he sees something that no one else sees, and he's willing to give his all for it. But there was an aspect of his ministry where he had to remain hidden, right? Doesn't it say that 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 and 8? The Apostle Paul is talking about the wisdom of God. 
We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which was ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. The fallen ones, the principalities and powers, the rulers of this age, who had been given the keys by Adam thousands of years before, none of them knew that it wasn't only the king, but it was God himself walking around amongst us because he kept that portion hidden. How many times the disciples are like, you're the Christ. You know, think about like Matthew 16. Who do people say that I am? Well, who do you say? Well, you're the Christ. He's like, blessed are you. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but your father who's in heaven. You're a stone, but on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to prevail against it. There's a, there's a huge aspect of this mission, which is heaven coming to earth to destroy and wreck the gates of hell that have been erected all over it. It's a war that I intend to not only start, but to finish through this organization called the Ecclesia, this church that I'm establishing. Yeah. The disciples are like, gee whiz, what are we talking about? He's like, yeah, you'll have these keys, the keys of heaven to bind that which is bound there to not allow it here. If it's loose there, to allow it here. This is authority because of what I'm doing. Oh, and by the way, don't tell anybody who I am. It's just like, what? I thought go tell it on the mountain, tell everybody who I am. I mean, you read it for yourself. He's like, and hey, by the way, Blessed are you, flesh and blood, I didn't reveal this. It's not time for you to go revealing this right now. That's what he's telling his disciples. I need to stay hidden. I need to stay concealed. Because he knew this, what's written here in 1 Corinthians 2, they're playing right into my hand. I'm going to be crucified. They're going to think they're going to win. And I'm going to redeem the entire thing and manifest the true heart of God that is not bipolar. It is the love of God, which includes his family. He redeems them all. Yeah, and sets them back. Just like Eden, be fruitful and subdue all the darkness over this world. That's, that was the original mandate. But it's like he, kept, he keeps this thing hidden. And he's concealed sometimes. You've heard me say it a lot of times because we prove this throughout the scriptures, throughout even just the way the disciples acted with him. Even when Thomas finally sees him, he calls him my Lord and my God. You know what I mean? John 20. It's just like their minds start to get blown like, hey, you're more than what we thought you were. You're more than what we thought you were. It may be that you are... As Isaiah said in Isaiah 45, the God who hides yourself, the God of Israel, the Savior. You're not little G, just the Savior Son. You are somehow one with Big G. You are Big G. It was, it was the greatest secret no, nobody ever saw. And um, it's something for us to see because it unlocks absolutely everything. Remember, that 2 Corinthians 3.18, when we see Jesus, when we see him accurately the way he actually is, it causes a transformation within us. It doesn't come from, you know, navel-gazing or, you know, how many sacrifices we burn. This is not one of these other religions, one of the millions of religions in the world. It's the only religion where you're transformed by the one whom you see. And the reason is because you've been created in his image. And there's a power in seeing him. That is the wisdom that is not double-minded, rooted in the knowledge of good and evil, the double poison fruit of the fall, it's actually seeing him as the love of God, as God, as the embodiment of God, as the word of God, and who was with God. All these things, the description of God, the communication of God, and it fully unlocks your being into who you truly are. I love it, man. So many times, some of the, I was with a group of guys this week, and we were talking about this, kicking it around. So many times people came to Jesus 
to be healed and they got it, but he acted like it wasn't him that did it, but it was them that did it. Woman, great is your faith. Or like, hey, your faith has made you well. Blind people, you know, you know. Oh, man, let it be according to your faith. It's just like, huh? It's like he was the will of God embodied. And the fact that somebody risked choosing to believe that God wanted them healed was the faith that drew a reality into their vessel. And he credited them with it. Your faith has done this. It's like, what? That's controversial. These aren't Christians, right? This is, old, this is before the cross, right? They don't have the Spirit of God in the, You know what I mean? It's just like, but when we, when we realize the power of seeing him as he truly is and the power of actually the faith that's on the inside of us, that Jesus, like a broken record, credited people, your faith has done this. It shows us there's a whole lot more capability that we're leaving on the plate, on the field, than what we're actually cashing in on. And he's trying to raise his children into the mature sons and daughters of God who actually step into that authority which all of creation is groaning and longing for, Romans 8 says. It's really cool. I enjoyed last week um, the concept of Elisha, right? Who could have literally taken Elijah's trying to ditch him three different times as being rejection. But every single time he would say, as surely Elijah would be like, please stay here. Please basically leave me alone. I'm leaving, you know. He's like, he would say, as surely as the Lord God lives, I'm not going to leave you. He didn't say, hey, as long as you're alive, I'm your guy. It was like, hey, God's real. This ain't about me and you. This is about something he's releasing to me. As surely as he lives, I'm going nowhere. He refused to take what seemed like a rejection as a disqualification and instead saw through the rejection to the inheritance of his true father. Amen. And the double portion was my father. My father was released upon him, which was the, which was the true inheritance of heaven, an anointing that God had placed on Elijah Amen. and doubled it upon him. And he became a bad boy. You know, <laughs> bad and means good, right? I'm a 90s person, right? So you, you catch what I'm throwing. He wasn't bad. Just because he called a couple bears doesn't mean he's bad now. Look at, look at the context of that. No. <laughs> but I think sometimes it could be that even the situations what we're in, where there's maybe a relational turmoil or even what seems to be rejection, if we can learn to have the wisdom of God, we can see through it to what God's wanting to do in our heart to make us to step into a level of wholeness so that we are capable of receiving the inheritance that he wants us to have because we're whole. And who better and more enjoyable and controversial to talk about than a Syrophoenician woman, um, a, a non-Jewish lady, that Jesus said, you're like a little dog, right? Yeah. And um, the story is in Matthew 15, but it's another story. It's, it's in Matthew 15, 26, and it's in Mark um, 7, 27, so, or 724 to 20 something. And, but in Mark... It talks about how Jesus was basically getting out of Dodge and going into the region of Tyre and Sidon, right? And it says he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden, right? So here's the, the hidden, the attempted hidden God um, for a reason, for probably very many good reasons. 
And um, but I think we'll do the I think we'll do the Matthew one. I'm open to that one. Matthew, what did I say? Fifteen to twenty. Fifteen twenty six, or fifteen twenty three. Sorry, fifteen twenty two. All right. Are you guys ready or what? I mean, come on, look at this thing. Okay, so he goes into the region of Tyre and Sidon. He had to get out of Dodge. Jesus got famous fast. How many times did Jesus heal somebody and they say, "Now, don't tell nobody who did this." Just go do your religious custom, show yourself to the priest, and get back on it. But they would still make him famous. Jesus wasn't doing, he wasn't driven by selfish ambition, which probably the majority of ministries these days are driven by. You know what I mean? He wasn't trying to build or make himself known or make his crew known. He was doing things because he couldn't help his true nature, the true nature of God, to, to release life and love. But his mission was to be crucified and redeem the whole game, the whole thing. On the way, on the path in those few, three years, he did so many other things, but so often he'd be like, hey, can we, keep, can we not make a huge deal about this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Which, I, you know, it's a different concept than the way ministry is often run today. We have, all right, we're gonna ha- I'm going to show you a, a, a video today of the miracles that happened. We're going to stir up some faith, and we're going to pray for people today in the, in the meeting and try to get it going. Like Jesus is like, hey, don't tell anybody that I did this. You know, flesh and blood didn't reveal this. The Father whose spirit, you're entering into your spirits, coming alive, you're getting out of your mind, and this is what heaven comes into the earth on. So anyhow, so here he is trying to be hidden. He's gotten awfully famous. He's at a time in his life where he's like, yo, we need to get out. Some commentaries are saying that he's, he's actually getting away from Herod and, and some of the stirring. Some commentaries are saying it's from the Pharisees and the Jews. Um, it's hard to really know. It's probably all of the above because if he, got, he became so famous at one point he couldn't even go into the major parts of the city. You know? And so in, in this one, um, he's doing miraculous things. He's drawing a huge crowd wherever he goes. Um, they go out to Tyre and Sidon, like a coastal area. It's, it's kind of a Gentile region. And this woman shows up. And just like we saw in the book of Mark, it's like he's, he's actually trying not to be known. He's trying not to know it. He's trying to cool off a little bit, stay out of the light, the limelight or the the public eye for a moment, trying not to be recognized, but it wasn't working because this lady who was desperate was coming after him, okay? And um, this lady comes to him saying, you know, have mercy, son of David, my daughter's severely demon-possessed. This is some, you know highly demonic torment that my daughter is, is dealing with, right? Uh, any parent would understand, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to take no for an answer, okay? Um, any diagnosis, really. But it says something in verse 23 that he answered her not a word. So the silent treatment. And his di- disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away. She cries out after us, like, dude, this is supposed to be a secret trip. We're trying to get out of Dodge. This isn't going to work with this lady come making a huge deal about it. Messing up our stealth mission. Jesus' answer is very interesting. And this is to his disciples. He says, I wasn't sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And I can just imagine this lady rolling up on their house trying to shout in like, ah, you know, causing all this, this stirring when he's trying to be hidden. And Jesus just kind of sitting down. And the disciples like, dude, like, do something about this. 
like, like, send, like tell her to leave. Tell her to, tell her to get out of here. To which it says, he just speaks, I was only sent to the, to the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, um, which is interesting. In other words, you're, you're, not one of, you're not one of us, right? Now we have a woman at a well that was a Samaritan, a full revival in a Samaritan city that happened because of him. Um, we have the centurion, right, that came. That's, a, that's one of the Roman... Um, he had a Roman uh, centurion, which is a, the term for 100. He was, he was the captain of 100 men in the Roman army who actually sent to him, and, and he actually gave him healing for a servant. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, when you hear this, I was only sent to this group. It's kind of like, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound like fully consistent with some of the other stuff we know you did in the Bible. You know what I mean? It doesn't sound like a good Samaritan story. It's like, eh, like, wait a minute now. This, this sounds like something else. You know? And it is something else. She comes and worships him, saying, Lord, help me. This is another thing. This is like when Jesus was in Cana and, his, and they ran out of wine, right? In the, in the book of John. John 2, I think. And his mom is like, Jesus, they're out of wine. Wink, wink. And he's like, woman, what's this got to do with me? My time's not come. Sounds like a rejection. But his mom looks at the servants and says, and smiles and says, just do whatever he says. She took him saying that as a green light that he was going to do something. It's right there. And he does something. It's like, all right, fill him up with water. You know what I mean? He hooks the whole place up. They've already been drinking for a while, too. So get, get offended about that if you'd like. But, I mean, it's just the, that's the story. Um, it wasn't as, alcohol wasn't as potent back then. But at the same time, you know, it, it is the story. Anyhow, um, so here you have this scenario. And also, from, from some of the view of this scenario, it's like, the disciples are telling him they're inside of the house and saying, hey, this lady's shouting in. You need to get rid of her. To which he says something to them that seems inconsistent. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. To which then, somehow, the next scene, she's in the house worshiping before his feet. Right? That's reading between some lines, but it is there. And um, she didn't take this rejection. I'm sorry, you're not qualified for this. She got even closer because of this. And it's quite possible that his saying triggered the disciples to let her in. I'm not saying that's what happened, but there are commentaries that really believe that that's what happened. And I think that's, that's quite possible the way it's written, especially in the Mark version. But anyhow, regardless, she doesn't take it as rejection, Elisha style, and she comes closer. I was only sent to the house of Israel. Like, I'm, I'm just a Jewish rabbi, lady. I'm only doing my job with the Jews. Okay. It's like, well, no, we've read the book. We understand this. You're the embodiment of Yahweh. This is about the whole creation. Like, we know. Uh, you're not tricking me with this. The lady was just refusing to be rejected because she was desperate for her family. So what does she do? She comes and bows down before him. Please, please help me. And this is the famous, uh, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Which is, you know, a Jewish view of Gentile people a lot back then. 
Well, that's super mean. You know, it seems it. Here he is calling Jewish people sheep and Gentile people dogs. I'm sent to the sheep, not to the doggies. And it's little dogs, it's puppy, so some people think it's affectionate or whatever, but it's not. I think it's, it goes right in. It's softer, but it goes right in with the Gentile dog thing. But he's like, you're not one of the sheep, you're one of the pups, and, and that's, that's not what I'm here for. The woman says, even the little dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from their master's table. She gets even lower on him and pulls in. And he says, oh, woman. And I could just see the face on him right there. Like, oh, man. Oh, woman. Oh, girl. Like, you did it. You came through all that. Like, man, great is your faith. Great is what? My power? Yes. He was crucified before foundations of the earth. But great is her faith. So let it be done to you as you desire. Like you've came to the right place. It is me. My daughter, it's me. Yeah. You didn't fall for the Halloween costume of the Jewish rabbi. It's dad sitting there. He's cloaked and he's hidden. But she, put, he, she pushed through all the racial misconceptions. She pushed through all her rejection. And she refused to let that dictate her inheritance. And we have crumbs, and we have all the crumbs is the, the bread, and it's, it's healing, and, and we have, you know, Jesus multiplying ridiculous amounts of food in the wilderness multiple times for 5,000 and 4,000, which is much more than that because there's women and kids probably involved, um, you know, and, and baskets full of crumbs being left over, which were the prophetic pictures of the 12 distributing through the people, and then all the crumbs going through the, the, the body was broken for the entire world. You know what I'm saying? We, we understand these concepts, but this lady didn't. She was just not. She was just refusing to take no in gambling and betting on receiving in faith. And, and he called it faith. Oh, woman, um, great is your faith. And it says her daughter was healed from that very hour. And he departed from there and he skirted the Ski of Galilee and went up on the mountain and great multitudes found him. So he kind of stayed stealth for a minute. But I thought it was so interesting, even the way she conducted herself as someone who would not let rejection stop her from connecting to him. Or even perceived rejection. And even in the story that we're, des- we're describing, and we, we've, we've gone through and we've looked at all these, if the rulers of this world have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. We see him like he was just trying to stealthily get to the finish line of the cross, which was victory, which looked like defeat, but he knew they would think it was defeat, and he knew it would flip the whole thing on its head, and he would dream everybody. And even it seems like there were sometimes people he had to pass that were in need, right? But it's like, just trust me, I'm coming for you. But I've got to go there to get you. I can't, I can't get everybody right now because I have to keep myself secret enough. But even in his, the love and the nature of who he truly was, he couldn't, even when he was in costume, he couldn't help but give it out because it's who he is. Even, you know, blind guy's like, don't tell anybody this. He knew he was going to go tell people and he knew it was going to cause him to be famous and he knew it was going to cause him to have a hard time. But his love for that man would cause him to mess up his own mission, knowing that he was still going to make it to the finish line. He just couldn't help it. And here he was 
This Isaiah, the God who hides himself, God of Israel, the Savior, the one who saves and establishes everlasting salvation. Here he is walking around as a human. That was sniffing, sorry. Nobody sniffed him out. Nobody, uh, nobody found out who he was until it was too late because if the rulers of this world had known, they would have never crucified him in the first place. And then he did something to, to get everybody. The guy with the gate, the beautiful gate sitting there paralyzed. How many times did Jesus walk by that guy? Could he have fixed him? Yeah. But he waited and Peter and John got him. And Jesus probably saw him and says, hey, the kids are going to get to you. I'm on track. The kids are going to get to you when they get to you. It's like, just trust me. I've got this. You know, it's this different. It's, it's Jesus coming in. Remember the, um, the, the girl that was 12 years old that died? And he shows up and they're wailing and they're weeping. And he's like, just everybody, she's just sleeping. Just get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, no, she's not sleeping. She's dead and she's stiff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and they ridiculed him, it says. She was rigging more. You know, she was like, you're, like, you're an idiot. He puts them out. Talitha Kumi takes her hand, gets her up, right? You know what I'm saying? But why would he even say that? Well, to him, sleeping is of, is of death, just like Lazarus. Well, he told the disciples, well, Lazarus is, he's asleep. And they're like, well, we don't need to go mess with him. Listen, he's dead, okay? I'm trying to be polite here. Was Jesus lying? No. Was he lying about the girl? She's not asleep. Or she's not dead. She's probably sleeping, y'all. No. But what was he doing? He was keeping himself hidden. That's controversial. Was that a lie? Because she was dead? No. There's Nazis knocking on my, on my door 70 years ago. You got a couple Jews in that house? Like, yeah, Anthony's, Anthony's cuddled up because he's Jewish. He's sleeping down in the basement. Like, I don't got nobody in this house. You know? What am I doing? I'm keeping that boy hidden. You know what I mean? No. That's why he's here today. <laughs> Ten years later. No. But, you know, it's like Jesus is on a mission to stay hidden, to stay stealth. He's not playing by those rules. You know what I'm saying? But then she's alive and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, she's alive. The rabbi came. He's this and that. And he's in this and that. He was like, well, he was saying she was asleep. So like, what? Yeah, but she was there. Like, no, no, no. So what went out? Some people knew, but some people were like, oh, but they, he said she was asleep. You know what I mean? He's keeping himself stealth as long as he can to the end. You feel that? I mean, that's just what it is. That's what the Bible says. It is what it is, Miss Bonnie, you know? It's true. I mean, it's there. Do you think Jesus changed his mind about that girl? It's like, man, I really don't like Greek, gross, dog-like women because I'm racist, you know? But man, you got really good faith. Or do you think he was decided, his heart was fully decided in healing for that girl from the second that she entered his space? It depends, because Numbers 23, 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Oh, well, that's the Old Testament God. No, buddy. Jesus is the word of God. The, the, he is the fullness of deity embodied. So what does that mean? Yeah. Has he said and he won't do it? Has he spoken and he will not fulfill it? That's Numbers 23, 19. It's like he's not a man. He didn't change his mind. That wasn't a... So what does that mean? That means it's like, well, you're taking, that, taking liberty. I'm not taking liberty. That's if, you, if you read the sum of this word is truth, that's what the Bible says. If you read Jesus being the embodiment of Yahweh, was in the beginning, the eternal son, and was with God, 
And if you read him being Numbers 23, 19, and if you read him being Isaiah 45, that says he's the God who hides himself and he is the Savior. You can't trinitize that and, well, it's, this is the Father, not the Son. It's like the Son is the Savior. The Son is God, but the Father is God too. And I know that's a mind bender, but it's, it's, it's there. But God's not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that will change his mind. His, his mind was fully agreed on that woman's heart. So what does that mean? He was allowing her to, re, to, to feel the resistance in order to what? In, her, in order for her faith to stretch out and actually access what she was asking for. Yeah. Could it really be that way? Sounds like Jesus' half-brother James wants to talk like that. Hey, rejoice in the trial. Rejoice in the resistance. It's your faith that's being tested. Faith and tested. That's in that verse. It's testing your faith. If you see him, and Jesus, Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. Nobody. That was a controversial thing to Pharisees. He's like, hey, if he doesn't look like me, act like me, react like me, then it ain't me. Then it ain't him. He's not God. I'm the Father of one. If you've seen me, you've seen him. Right? Man. So we come to God and there's something that contradicts us. It's like this very well could be an opportunity for us to push more into the God who we know. No, I know you. Opposition is faith. Opposition is opportunity for faith to grow and establish. You know, it's Jesus talking about coming back. Will I find faith in the earth? Not will you guys be just so perfect and clean and never saying a cuss word and you know never watching rated R movies? He didn't say something like that. What did he say? Will I find when the Son of Man comes back? Will he find faith? It's like man, I've given you guys power and authority to trample on all this demonic stuff my spirit's actually on the inside of you i've taught you how to see me and access me understand that there's nothing there's no victims in this game there's no victims in this life we are more than conquerors even we're not even conquerors so it's like hey listen you have the ability to live in such a way where you don't take no for an answer if you see it in me you can have it elijah to elisha if you i don't know if you can have that or not but if you see it when i'm gone you can have it the chariots and fire, which is the authority of heaven. Boom, and he received it. You know, he, didn't re- he didn't let rejection steer him off of it. Yeah, God doesn't change his mind. And by the way, Jesus is God. This wasn't a mind change. This was his will all along. And the resistance that she was feeling and the confusion that his disciples were probably witnessing was a lesson for everybody. And she pulled herself straight into it past the the preconceived notion that she had of this Jewish man that was allegedly a healer, he let her go past that and access God. His true identity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's not dead. She's asleep. Nobody. She's dead. Lazarus, he's just sleeping. Well, we should stay here then. What's that? Uh, John 11. We should just stay here then. Like, no. We're going to go. If he's asleep, he's going to get up. Listen, uh, Lazarus is dead, all right? <laughs> wasn't trying to, I wasn't lying to y'all. I was just telling y'all. It, it don't matter to me. It's not sleeping, awake, dead. doesn't matter. I'm going to actually pick that guy up. He's coming back. I love his family, and I need to do this. So let's go. You know? Boy, she, she like Elisha, could have been really offended, couldn't she? As soon as he said that, oh, really? Oh, to the lost sheep? Oh, oh, sorry, I'm not in your club. See you later, buddy. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> she could have done that. But the measure of offense, the easily offended, are the spiritually immature in this walk. Just the, just the way it is. Yeah, man. Everybody wants to see in the spirit, and it's very real. There's a gift called discerning of spirits, even, 1 Corinthians 12, which is actually seeing giftings, angelic, demonic. It's all those things, and it is very real. I've seen it operate in powerful ways. Firsthand, seen it. Um, but there's something to unlocking spiritual sight, which is the wisdom that James is talking about there in James 1, which is not having a double-minded uh, view. It's actually seeing through the forgiveness lens of God. It's an unoffendable it's an unoffendable eye, and it causes you to see even that which is contrary as something to be unlocked in heaven, as something to pursue. Yeah. It's like the resistance is, oh, well, that's where I'm, I'm going to push on that. <laughs> Instead of like, that triggers me. I need to go away and listen to some music and get away from this right now and, and not think about it. It's like, no, 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 no. Lock into the scriptures and read through the whole thing. When something triggers you, man, it's like, that, that's the spot. That's the one. Bite it bite it. That's weird. I meant like a dog locks onto something, you know, but whatever. <laughs> Just bite it, man. Just bite your Bible. All right, cool. Hmm. Yeah, could offense cause us not to be able to see God? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Everything we can see in Jesus, we can have. Everything he said is supposed to be ours, and the Bible says it's supposed to be ours, is supposed to be ours. Yeah. There's no making excuses for the wholeness that's in this thing. And to say, yeah, the yeah, but I'm somehow an exception. I'm somehow a victim. I'm some, I'm, I don't have this. It's just like there's, there's no um, loophole to have that mentality or view in our scripture. You know what I mean? There's just not. It's father, dad, I'm from you. Hallowed be your name separate from that bipolar deity that it's been accused of being. Let your kingdom come and your will be done, which is in and through his family, on earth as it is in heaven. Your will established in the person of Jesus. Give us this day our daily bread, the communion, the fellowship that causes us to see him and to look like him and, 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 and to reflect his image, to be transformed. You know. Yeah. And forgive us because we forgive everybody. It's just like, hey... I am locked in, committed to have an, an unoffendable mind and releasing forgiveness no matter the circumstance because I know what you've done and I don't want to separate myself from the alignment of the power and authority that is my inheritance by being offended or, being feeling, or taking rejection even from a person as being from you because it's not from you. David said it. If my mom and dad forsake me, it don't matter. If I get rejected by the closest ones to me, it still doesn't matter because I know it's not from you. And he knew that. He knew that in his life. That's how he was appointed. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Again, God is fathering his children into maturity. This is about purpose. It's about destiny. It's about the power of the age to come. He's bringing us to a place of authority that we will wield and yield and wield, I think is the word I'm looking for, the power of heaven in order to establish heaven's domain into this one. You know? It's not about Babylon's definition of success. It's about heaven coming to the earth. A lot of the religious machine that is built in the world has made a pact with something that is very dark. And I think it's real. I think it's very dark. But the pact is, 
limit the word of God and choose to put a fence around it. Offense or an offense around this thing so you never expect anything else but, to, but going to heaven when you die. Don't, don't, it ain't about heaven coming to the earth now. It's going to heaven when you die. Stay within that parameters. If you don't start none, there won't be none. We'll leave you alone. You'll have, air quotes, success here in Babylon, just like the system did in Babylon. And we won't have a war on the earth. And time will continue to go and go and go. And of course, the charismatics will be like, he's about to come back, brother. And they'll all be wrong. But it'll just go and go and go. So they'll be hiding out half the time. Y'all be in the machine half the time. Nothing will ever happen. And we can buy time through this place. We can, we can buy a long time on this planet. Right? Put these gates around. Those are the gates of hell. That's the pact. Yeah. But the word of the Lord doesn't say that. It says the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand, except nothing less. Understand my heart that I have not given you limited inheritance. John the Baptist says he doesn't give the spirit by measure. It's not like keep crying for another outpouring of my spirit. It's like, no, no, no. You must choose by faith to believe that I've given the spirit without measure in this covenant. And it is, for you, it is for you to step into the maturity of it and the wholeness of it and continually walking in that growth, continually walking in that wholeness yes. to where there is not a single bit of the effects of the fall that have its tentacles into you or your lineage. Wow, yeah. wow. Well, that's bold and aggressive. What do you have to back that up? It's just the whole Bible, man. That's all we really have to back it up. So, you know what I mean? But it's the whole thing. It really is. It is the pursuit. The Apostle Paul's like, I don't... I don't claim to fully have it yet, but I'm pressing on to this high call. He's talking about, I've experienced glory that I can't even talk about. 14 years ago, I was taken to the third heaven. I couldn't even, I can't even communicate some of the things I experienced there. You know what I'm saying? I've been in shipwrecks and deaths often. Paul, Apostle Paul been stoned, which means a millstone got dropped on us. Oh, I forgot it was a kid's service. You know what the end of the stoning is? It's the big rock, you know? It's fully, it's fully lights out, fully deadzo mode. Deadzo, you know what I mean? But this dude's sitting up from that. They leave him dead, he sits back up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Walk back in. What is that about? I haven't fully let, I haven't, I, but I'm pressing, I'm pressing on to the high calling. There's a level that our older brothers and sisters, there's a path, a direction that they never intended us to be limited. There's a reason that our Bible ends with the book of John, which I believe is probably the last book with Revelation. But it's like there's a reason that he says, hey, if everything was written that Jesus did, the whole world couldn't contain the books. This is just so that you'll believe that he's the son of God. That's the intro. It's like never limit, never limit what God wants to do in and through you. This is real. Han Solo, the whole thing's real. It's all real. It's all real. And God is fathering us into the maturity of this reality. Much of it is actually learning not to attribute rejection and separation to our Father by what we experience in the world. The wounds we experience in the world, in the real world, in the, in the natural world, often they get transposed onto the image of our God when they're not healed. Yeah? But in reality, we can walk in such wholeness and health 
that we even come to the place like Jesus said, we bless those who curse us. We pray for those who have spitefully used us. It's like none of that actually causes that trigger reaction of Adam. It causes a reverse reaction, the same reaction that came out of Jesus. Oh, forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they've done. And that's a whole heart. A whole heart is a very powerful vessel in the earth to release heaven. And that's who he wants us to be. And all of creation is groaning and longing for it. All of creation is groaning and longing to be unlocked from its futility that was, that was released into the fall, it says. Imagine that. Sounds like a movie. It's better than any movie ever made. So, Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you that your word is truth. I thank you for even breaking the power of rejection over our body. That rejection and separation from our Father is non-existent that the full acceptance and wholeness, that we were accepted even in the beloved, and that you've given us a way to walk out the healing which you've purchased on our behalf, in our hearts, in our minds, in our physical bodies, and in the bodies of our family. I thank you for the faith that is stirring in your people now to step into all that you've called us to step into. This, this capability, this capacity of the sons and daughters, the children of light, that we are called to be, that are, that are in such, walking in such authority spiritually and in such pure unity with one another, your church, that the very gates, the gateways, the entrances of hell and the earth, they will not prevail against it. Let there be light. Amen. Amen.